wonderful truth this morning. He left one part out of that song, Brother Joe. You forgot to sing No More Snow. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. How wonderful. On, I mean, turn your Bibles to Jeremiah 18. As you're, as you're turning, I'll share a quick story with you. On Monday morning, I got up, and as my custom is, I uh, went down to make espresso uh, before I left the house. And, and I'm, uh, I, I don't run on unleaded fuel. I got to have fuel, real fuel, the good stuff. And as I was just getting ready to make my coffee, my phone rang. And uh, I answered, and it was uh, Pastor Wilkerson from First Baptist Hammond. And he asked me, so how did the services go Sunday? We talked about the blessings of the weekend. This was last, this past Monday. And uh, I had seen uh, some folks that trusted Christ at their church, and we were talking about some folks that got saved. And, and then he said, Brother Rice, he said, would it be okay if I call you back in an hour and 45 minutes? And I thought, well, he must have to go. I said, sure, that's fine, preacher. He said, I'm going to call you back in an hour and 45 minutes. We'll be on the radio together. And uh, so I made my coffee. I got to the church. And, uh, and he said, we'll be on the radio, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk, and I'll maybe have you teach the Bible for a little bit, too. And uh, so I got to my office here early Monday morning, and I uh, had planned on, had been planning on preaching this message. And I quickly wrote a few of the points out, and I wasn't sure how long I had to share on the radio there. Uh, but I, I just had a couple of minutes. But I shared just a couple of thoughts from this passage uh, Monday morning. Uh, but God has been burdening me about this, about this text and teaching here this morning for a while. And I want us to look together, and I believe what the Lord would have for us today. I believe some wonderful truths, some thoughts, just some thoughts from the potter's house. And I mentioned this a little bit just as a bit of an introduction last week. Uh, during the message, but I, I want you to look here at Jeremiah 18 and verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning? Lord, I'm burdened for this truth, these teachings, these thoughts. From this simple story, in the book of Jeremiah. Lord, I'm burdened that they be applied to our hearts and to our lives. Lord, I'm burdened that we follow this truth and understanding of who we are as believers. Lord, at the same time, I pray today that if there be any here that knows you not as Savior, Lord, I pray that they would understand the greatest news in all the world, that you love them. That you left heaven and came to earth, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, to die on Calvary's tree, to be buried and raised again, 
to life forevermore to pay their sin debt. And that you offer them eternal life. Lord, I pray that will be understood today. And the Lord, more than understood, but received. Lord, I pray for Christians here this morning. God, would you speak to us individually and collectively? Lord, I pray as well for those that would connect with us through the medium of the internet. Or those that may be watching live even now. Those that may see our video later. Those that may listen to the words that go forth. Lord, I pray that you would bless every hearer. And Lord, most of all this morning, I ask you to help me. For Lord, I need your help. Lord, I pray you'd help me. Give me the words to say that you'd want me to say this morning. Lord, lead me and guide me. Holy Spirit of God, would you speak to every heart this morning. May your will be done. May we lift up Jesus today. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for these dear folks gathered here. Lord, I love them. Lord, I desire your best for them. And Lord, may we find that as we look in the pages of this blessed book today. In your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Amen. I want to look at just a few words. Just a few words. We could look for hours upon hours upon hours through the pages of this book. and We could find hundreds of verses and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of words. But in these just four verses this morning, I want us to pick out a few of the words that we see and I want us to look at those few words and I want us to think about the thoughts that I believe God would reveal to us from this teaching and this truth this morning. And can I tell you that the Bible, the Word of God, so often is in opposition to culture. And by the way, can I tell you when the Bible is in opposition to culture, the Bible is right and culture is wrong. The Bible oftentimes is in opposition to our desire. And can I tell you, when our desire and the Bible are in opposition, the Bible is right and our desire is wrong. Sometimes the Bible, the actual teaching and truths of the Bible, are in opposition uh, to what we have always believed. If you will, uh, our practice or, if you will, uh, the things that are ingrained in our belief system. But when that's the case, the Bible is right and our tradition is wrong. We need to understand that every time we come to the Bible, that the Bible is, not, it's not just a phrase, but the Bible is truly, should be for every believer, our measure of what we believe and what we practice. And so often, we fail to realize the Bible is also the measure of how we ought to believe and how we ought to think. Did you know that all of us think differently? How many of you knew that? Me and Brother Ahmad, he'll tell you sometimes we, we, we beat each other up. No, we, we've had discussions. No, I, that's not it. We, we, why? We, we think differently. And I'm glad we do. That different thinking helps complement an area sometimes when we need some different thinking. My wife and I, would you believe that we don't always think alike? How many of you are very shocked by that? 
How come nobody's raising their hand? <laughs> no, we, we think differently. You know, we, we have a different, different thought process. You know, for instance, let me share this with you. My wife will come to me. She's the greatest wife I've ever had, by the way. <laughs> my only wife, just for you visitors, my only wife. But she, uh, if she comes to me and says, you know, what do you think we should have for dinner? And she'll start to list. How many of you husbands that's happened to you? And she'll have a list, maybe three things. You think we should have this, this, or this. The first thing that I hear that sounds good to me, Carl, I just decide. That's, that's it. I'm done. The decision's finished. There's nothing else to think about. She already told me something that sounds good. She has the ability to make that. We obviously have it, or she couldn't make it. Finished. Let's go on to something else. And then she, my wife will say, but I wasn't done. I, I, we could make this. Or, no, no, I'm done. I, I, that's good. I'm but she wasn't finished. Why? Our brains sink a little differently. And by the way, our brain and our thinking process is different than our God. But let's not decide that, yeah, my, I don't think the way God thinks, so I'm going to leave it like that. I believe God wants us to think like he thinks. God wants us to have the right thinking process. Now, I'm not, I'm not speaking about your, in the husband-wife relationship. I'm not talking about your relationship with others. I'm talking about in your relationship with God. Our thinking needs to be in tune with the way God wants us to think. And I want to see some things here this morning that I believe, I know, I'm certain, will help us to have the right thinking when it comes to our relationship with God. Number one, I want you to notice the word in verse 3. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought. He wrought. Notice those two words. He wrought. Now, that means he worked. He did something. He, he was working on the wheel, the potter. Now, this picture we find out later in the book of Jeremiah, a few verses later, he's teaching Jeremiah that God's people are that clay. And God is the potter. And with that understanding, we see that God is working. So if you will, we are His work. We are His work. In the new gospel track that we're designing and getting off to print and we'll have very soon. On the inside cover is a message from me. The same message we have in our paper track now. And in that inside cover, that message from me, we decided, I, we created a font. Now some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I, I took and wrote out all of my letters. How many of you are proud of me that I knew all my letters? Royce, I, I knew them all. And punctuation, all of that, and we scanned that into a computer. And with, with my handwriting or my printing, we created a font to be used in a word pro processing program. And when it is typed out, the message on, the, on that inside cover is actually my handwriting. Like my, my kids guaranteed when they first saw it, Dad wrote that. Because it's, by the way, you can tell because my handwriting is horrible. 
Uh, it's very bad. And I write in all caps. Uh, I'm, I'm a horror, I, it looks like a five-year-old's writing. That's my writing. But it's mine. I wrote it. It's my text. Can I tell you, Christian, this morning something that you need to understand and that I need to understand as I deal in my relationship with God? His handwriting is on you. You're His work. You're not your work and God stamps the okay. You are His work. And can I tell you a statement about God's work? God's work is always good. Always good. It's always good. My wife is a wonderful cook. But I remember I came home from work one day 25 years ago. And I had a very short window of time, maybe 30 minutes from the time I walked in the door till I had to leave again to go to Bible college. Maybe I had 40 minutes. And in that time, I had to shower, I had to change clothes, and I had to eat. And I was excited. I went in the kitchen, I sat down, I looked, and on the table was a dish that brought back childhood trauma for me. I had a relative that made a dish that I did not like. It was called Missouri dish. Now, that's what it was called that that relative made. My wife didn't call it that. It was something else, but it was a casserole. I like casseroles. Nothing wrong with casseroles. They're, they're spiritual. Uh, I think they're Baptist, Brother Ramon. <laughs> but it had hamburger. I like hamburger might have been deer burger, but it had some kind of burger in it. It had green beans, I think, and I'm not sure what else. And then on top was tater tots. I love tater tots. I mean, I like all those things. But when I saw that, I'm like, ah, is that Missouri dish? Now, the reason I didn't like the dish when a family member made it is because they didn't drain the grease off of the hamburger and when they made it, there were like little boats of tater tots floating <laughs> on a sea of grease. I don't know if I ever tasted it as a kid. I just remember being traumatized by looking at it. Now, there were many times that I went to the table and I said, man, that's, that looks like my favorite meal. By the way, I learned to love the Missouri dish my wife made. But sometimes we do things and we doesn't really turn out the way we want. Sometimes in our endeavors, we realize, you know what, maybe, maybe I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm, this is not my skill set. But everything God does is good. He wrought, he worked on you and me. I'm his work. Everything God does is good. We, as I mentioned, and we, I won't belabor this point, we talked about it last week, but we are created, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, I am created unto good works. And God's the one that ordained that we should walk in them. So God is the one, as we think about the potter, as the potter is working, as he wrought on the wheel. Christian, may we think about the fact that you and I are his work. His work. We're not our work. That's where we fail in our thinking. We think my life is about me, what I can do, how I can please God. 
how I can live my life, the decisions I can make, what I can make of my life. That's the wrong thinking. The right thinking is, God made me. I'm God's work. God has a purpose because we're going to get to that in a moment. But if we could start off with a foundational understanding that we are God's work. By the way, if you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe the thing that is holding you back from trusting Him is because you say, I, I just I can't live the Christian life. Can I tell you that you're not the one that lives the Christian life? You're not the one that adds to your salvation. You're not the one that keeps your salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. It's his work in you. Number two, would you look, if you will, in verse number three again? Or verse number four, excuse me. And the vessel that he noticed these three words, made of clay. Made of clay. Dear friend, this morning, can I tell you that we are only clay without him? If you read the Genesis, Genesis account of creation, by the way, the only account of creation. If you read the Genesis account of creation, you'll find out that God made man. You'll find out the recipe for what God used. How many of you have ever had something, you've eaten it, and you've said, I've got to have that recipe? You ever been there? You go, oh, that's delicious. I had last week, I think it was, for the very first time, uh, a Filipino dish called mungo. How many of you know what mungo is? <laughs> I haven't got the recipe yet, but I'm going to get it. I like, it reminded me of a dish I grew up as a kid with. Uh, I, I'm going to get that recipe. I'm going to make it. Now, we often have something. We go, man, I, how do you make that? Can I tell you how to make a man according to what God did? The Bible says that God took of the dust of the ground. What was the ingredients of man? Dirt. By the way, that's it. Not sugar and spice and everything nice. Puppy dog tails and all that stuff. No. Dirt. The Bible says God formed man of the dust of the ground. If you will, a little moisture. A little dirt. And God made man and there he was, a mud man. A clay form. Nothing more than that. That was it. Until. The Bible says God breathed into his nostrils the numus, the breath of life. Without God, man was nothing more than a clump of clay. And can I tell you this morning that you and I, without God, are nothing more than a clump of clay. We want to lift ourselves up. We want to think highly of ourselves. We want to elevate ourselves. We want to, why? To say, yeah, I'm, a, I'm the best piece of dirt. 
I'm the shiniest piece of clay. No. It's not about us. Because we're just dirt. Now, I know humanism says differently. I know that we're taught and your children in the public school system are taught basically to be their own gods. But we are clay. That's all we are without him. The Bible tells us there that he made he made a vessel made of clay. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms he remembers that we are but dust. I've used my wife as many illustrations this morning, but I remember when we first started dating. How many of you have noticed my wife is a lot shorter than me? Now that correlates as well. Her legs are a lot shorter than my legs. And I'm a fast walker. My wife is not a fast walker. We first started dating, if we were going somewhere together, I went everywhere I went, I went 100 miles an hour. I was working a full-time job, I was working full-time in ministry, and I was going to Bible college. Uh, and then, you know, once every few days, I slept for about three hours. I, phew, I was just rushing. And we'd be together, and I'd be just walking, and I'd stop. Get my binoculars out. <laughs> oh! She'd be way back there. That's the truth. You can ask her. I mean, it happened. I, maybe not the binoculars, but I, I left her. <laughs> and I realized that she couldn't walk as fast as me. Brother Jim, I, I had to learn to slow down. I had to remember... She was only four foot eleven and a half. Oh, I'm sorry. She was five foot, she says. I had to remember that, you know, she couldn't walk as fast as me. Sometimes I'd forget. Christian, God never forgets. We are but dust. We put these expectations in our mind. We think, well, you know, God, God... I, I, I got to be perfect. Now, God wants you to be holy as he is holy. The Bible is very plain on that. The Bible is very plain that God has expectations for us, not for salvation, but because we are believers. But he remembers. He remembers, as we saw the picture at the beginning of the slide, with that clay and dirt around the... He knows what you're made of. He remembers that you are but dust. In other words, God knows what he's working with. Now that helps us, Christian. That helps us with our mindset in the Christian life. To realize that, yes, God knows what I am. He knows who I am. And we're going to get to it in a moment. He doesn't quit working with us. I am only clay without him. Christian, this morning... Realize the vital importance of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Realize how empty, how meaningless and shallow life is without Him. Just clay. That's all we are. 
I believe it was yesterday, it might have been Friday, and my days are running together a little bit. One of the, either yesterday morning or the day, I think it was Friday. Brother Frank Garlock went to heaven. How many of you know the name Frank Garlock? Some of you may. So many of you know the name Ron Hamilton. Ron Hamilton's father-in-law. I met with the Garlock. I, I got to have lunch with him when I was about 14 years old at a pastor's meeting in West Virginia. I got a, several preachers now who have gone to heaven as a young teenager. I got to sit at a table with several great men of God from the past now and had lunch with them, but I had lunch with the Garlock there. Seems like a lifetime ago. Brother Garlock, a faithful, faithful man, uh, I believe had a, one of the greatest impacts on music and music education uh, in Bible Christianity probably in the last 50 years. But I saw a picture of Brother Garlock. Well, I, I take that back. I saw a picture of his body. I saw as he lay there after he passed. All that was there was clay. Why? He was gone. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Without Christ, we're only clay. He wrought, you're his work. He works with clay. He knows what we are. He remembers we are but dust. By the way, his work even with clay is good. Number three. The Bible tells us there in that same verse in verse four, and the vessel that was made of clay was, notice the word, marred. Or broken. Or damaged. And then it goes on to say, he made it again. God does not throw us away because we are imperfect, because we are damaged, or as many would see it, ruined. We have the wrong mindset. We have the mindset that, oh, I blew it. God doesn't want me anymore. Man, I really messed up. God's going to throw me away. Oh, now I'm useless to God now. That's the mindset that religion, false religion, by the way, will build into your mind and to mine. That God doesn't want anything to do with me because I'm damaged. I'm I'm broken, or I'm ruined, damaged goods. Just a couple of thoughts as we think about that. You and I are not disposable to God. I used to drive a Ford Festiva. You know what I called it? My disposable car. I paid, I think, three or 400 bucks for it. It was a piece of garbage. The metal that they made that out of in Korea, it was made by Kia years ago. Kia made the Ford Festivas before Kia sold cars. Nothing against Korea, my brother. Uh, but uh, we, 
they made it out of metal that was closer to paper than metal. And it had a little, a little wheel un under the hood that had three squirrels in it. You dropped nuts down to the squirrels, and the squirrels ran. And if the squirrels ran, the car went. It, it, it was a pitiful little car. The tires were about this big. I mean, they were, they were about the size of a good, decent donut. And it was just a little piece of junk. And I used to joke, it's my disposable car. And I used to joke, if it breaks down on the side of the road, I'll just leave it. Like, I don't care. Believe it or not, when I was graduated from Bible college, that's what I was driving. And a few weeks before I graduated, I mean, I got to sell this disposable piece of junk. And a dear friend of mine, now that I'm telling the story, I wonder if he, I really was a good friend to him. Uh, I used to call him the world's oldest college student. Uh, how old was William? He, he had to be in his 50s or maybe pushing 60 back when... I was in college with him, and I sold the car to William, Brother William. I found out later, the car broke down, Brother Jim. He put like $2,000 into fixing that car. And I said to William, I said, why did you spend $2,000 fixing that piece of junk? And I said, I called it my disposable car, and here you put a lot of money in it. You know what he said? I like that car. I didn't want to get rid of it. Can I tell you a more powerful phrase from the Bible? For God so loved the world. He doesn't just like you. He loves you. You're not disposable to God. God doesn't look at you and go, ah, I don't want him anymore. I saw what Bernard did last week. I'm done with him. That's the mindset we have sometimes. You're not disposable to God. Now, can I confess? Can I confess a shortcoming of many in ministry, maybe in your life? That many, maybe in positions of leadership, have acted like you or I are disposable? And we've, we've acted like that God only wants certain people. But can I tell you that the Bible is our gauge? The Bible tells us very plainly that we're not disposable to God. God doesn't throw us back. I was fishing down by the river a couple years ago, and I met some. I met some folks that were new, had been a couple years in Canada from uh, Myanmar. And uh, they were there fishing, we're fishing on the bank. We're, we caught, they were catching fish. We caught a couple fish. And caught a, uh, doesn't matter what we caught. Caught several different fish. And then we caught a walleye. When I caught the walleye, I brought the walleye out of the river, North Saskatchewan River here. And by the way, walleye are delicious. That's the fish that are going to swim in the, ri the river of life in heaven. It's going to be walleye and catfish. But anyway, I digress. And they're so delicious. I, I love walleye. Walleye is like, oh, uh, they're, they're, they're one of the most delicious fish God ever made. And if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. They're, they're great. And I took it off the hook, and I went to put it back in the water because you can't keep walleye out of the North Saskatchewan. And I was talking with this fellow who we've been chatting. He was from Myanmar. And 
I made the comment, I said, don't you hate to have to put a walleye back in the river? And he told me, he said, let me tell you a story. He said, when I first came to Canada, I didn't understand there were different rules and regulations for fishing. You know, Myanmar, you know, you go fishing, whatever you catch, you keep and you eat. He says, so I went fishing here. I caught some walleye. I put them in my stringer. I walked up to my car. And a fishing game officer stopped me. <laughs> and he said, what do you have there? Oh, I caught fish. I was proud of my fish. I was excited about my fish. I'm going home to eat them. He didn't get to go home and eat them. The fishing game officer said, Sir, you have to throw those back. You can't keep them. He wrote him a ticket. He told me I had to go to Fort Saskatchewan and go to court and pay a fine, a big fine, because I kept fish. He said, now I know. I know what fish I can keep. I know what fish I have to throw back. God doesn't throw us back. God doesn't look at us and go, I don't want that. As I mentioned, I love walleye. There are some fish that I don't like. I used to fish as a boy, and sometimes I'd catch gar, long-nosed gar, lots of razor teeth. Ugly, nasty, mean, devil, devil in flesh. I, I, I've never eaten one. I do know the bigger ones they use for cat food. And anything a cat would eat, I have suspicions of. But I hated them. I, I despised them. I couldn't throw them back fast enough. To cut the line. Pff, I don't want to touch that. God doesn't throw us back. Yeah, we get marred. Yeah, we make mistakes. Some big ones. And yet he makes us again. He just makes us again. By the way, if you're still breathing, he's still working on you. Until you see him face to face, he's not done. Marred, yet he made it again. It says there if we... Continue with that thought in that verse in verse 4. And the vessel he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. And this is not one of the points this morning, but realize that even in my brokenness, Christian, even in your brokenness, you're in his hand. What a wonderful thought. But look at the rest of this here in verse 4. So he made, notice these words, he made it again, another vessel, another vessel. He made it again, another vessel. Get this thought, he always makes us into something useful. He always makes you into something useful. God's will for you is not to be a decoration. God's will for you is not to sit on a shelf. God's will for you is to be useful. In my dining room, we have a china cabinet, a buffet, a hutch. 
I don't, I don't know the fancy terms. I'm just a hillbilly. But inside of that china cabinet, my wife has some dishes, some beautiful dishes. And there's some dishes that we have some crystal ware that were gifts, I think, when we got married almost 30 years ago. And then there are some antique dishes that I purchased piece by piece, a, a set for my wife, a Franciscan appleware dishes. Now, my children will tell you, we don't get to eat on those dishes, do we? Those dishes are just for looking at. Brother Ma, I, I, don't, I don't get to put lunch on that today. I can look at them inside the cabinet, but they're not, for, they're not for using, they're for looking at. They're not useful for me. Can I tell you that so often we think that, oh, God's going to put me on the shelf because he can't use me anymore. God always makes you again another vessel. What is a vessel? A vessel is something that has use. A vessel is something to be used. God always makes you. God always wants to use you. I grew up on a farm. I watched my grandfather. If something broke, if something came apart, he didn't throw things away. Some of you would call him a hoarder. I called him wise. He'd put it out in, out in the shed. Put it up in the barn. Till he found, oh, I need, oh yeah, I got that piece there. I can use that. And because to my grandfather, who grew up during the Great Depression, he couldn't bear to throw something away that he thought might have a use later. I don't know how many times I've held on to something and finally, oh yeah, I just need to get rid of that. You know what happens about five days later? If I just would have kept that, I could have used it. God always makes you something useful. And lastly, as we think about him making it again another vessel in verse 4. So he made it again another vessel. Notice the last phrase in verse 4. As it seemed good to the potter to make it. As it seemed good to the potter to make it. The potter, God is the one who decides what we should be. You and I don't decide that. The clay, the lump of clay on the wheel doesn't go, but I want to be this. No. Potter decides. The potter decides. By the way, another lump of clay who has been made into a vessel doesn't look over at that lump of clay on the wheel and go, hey, he ought to be that. It's not their call. God's the one. The potter's the one. So often we have this mindset that I have to please somebody. I have to live up to somebody's standard. By the way, we should live up to the standard of Christ. But there is no one on this earth whose standard that I'm made to live up to. There's no one on earth who uh, that, that, that person has to tell me what I should be and how I should live. There's only one who has that authority. And by the way, it's not the pastor. It's not the local church. It's Jesus Christ. The potter. 
his word. That's it. The potter is the one who decides who we should be. The potter sets the standard for our life. We don't set the standard for our life. Others do not do so. It's the potter. God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. Just take a look. God would tell Jeremiah later some teaching for the nation of Israel during that time. But I believe we see some thoughts this morning to help us. To help us with the right mindset about our relationship with our God. And how wonderful it is to know that God wants to work with you. We are His work. He signs us. Think of that. We're signed by God. We are made of clay. By the way, Brother Dexter, me, Jojo, and Sean, we're all, we're all different, but we're made of the same clay. That's it. Some of us are made of more clay than others. Some, some of us, the clay was so ugly, God had to put hair on top of the clay. And then some of us, well, anyway, I digress. But we're all clay. We're all clay. Well, the chummy said amen back there. I heard that amen back there. Christian, realize that God's not done with you. God doesn't want to toss you away. He loves you. He's not going to throw you back. He, he wants to make you again and again and again and again. And every time he makes you, it's always something useful. Always something for service. He's the one that decides. May we as believers get our mind right, our thinking right, and our actions right in our relationship with him. By the way, if you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that the God of heaven looked down and saw you and knew everything about you before you were ever born? He knew every sin you were ever going to commit. Everything. And on the cross of Calvary, he said, I love you this much. He died and was buried to pay your sin debt. So you could receive and believe the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not so you could be religious. Not so you could be the member of a church. Not so you could do a spiritual work. But so you could believe him. So you could receive the gospel. If you've never done that today, would you believe, would you trust him today? Would you let him make you his? Put you on that wheel. Sign his name to your life. Put yourself in his possession. Christian, would you trust the potter? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. Lord, I thank you for your great love for me. God, would you forgive me for having wrong thinking so often? God, forgive me for listening so many times to the wrong direction of the world, false religion. God, may we get back to this book. God, may we see these simple lessons from the potter's house to realize who we are. We're yours. 
You're the one working on us. You know what we are. You know what you're working with. And Lord, sometimes we get marred. Lord, it may be here this morning, someone, their life is a bit broken. Someone here who's a born-again child of God who would say, Pastor, my life's a bit messed up right now. Made some wrong decisions. I'm marred in the potter's hand. But I want to yield my life to God to make me again. I want to surrender to Him. If that's you this morning, would you make that decision during this time of invitation? Maybe you've got the idea that you're useless to God. Maybe you've listened to the lie of the devil that says God's done with you. He doesn't want to use you. Would you believe the Bible this morning and not the lie of the devil? Would you have the mindset of understanding that God loves you, He cares about you, He wants to use you? And would you let Him be the one, the grand architect of every aspect of your life? Whatever decision you need to make today, maybe it's a decision to trust Christ. Maybe it's a decision today to believe the gospel. Maybe it's a decision to follow Him and believe His baptism. Maybe it's a decision to join with this local church, this assembly, for God's glory. Maybe it's a decision to allow God to help you have the right mindset about your relationship. Whatever it is this morning, dear friend, would you make that decision? Lord, help us. Lord, would you seal every decision made here today? God, would you work in our hearts? And most of all, would you be glorified for every decision? In your precious name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together with me this morning? Brother Royce is going to come and lead us in a song of invitation. All right, let's take our hymnals. We'll turn to number 489, I Surrender All. Number 489. That's the prayer of our heart, that we'd surrender all to him. May I remind you, uh, this afternoon, our service at 4, I hope you'll come.
plan on coming for our, uh, staying for the fellowship after as well. And uh, choir, don't forget, uh, practice immediately after the service here uh, for Resurrection Sunday. And thanks again for being with us. And may God bless you and uh, how wonderful it is. Brother Dominique, could I ask you to close us in prayer this morning, please, sir?